The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's cloud strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're absolutely in the right place. Today we have a very interesting topic. I'm going to start with the buzz, the buzz of the day. Can you hear me? Or, this might resonate with you out there, is this the party to whom I am speaking? Okay, I'll explain in a minute. We're talking about telecoms, also known as telcos, and we will have our panelists define and tell us if there's any difference between the two. Anyway, telecoms operators world wide should be preparing for 2017. Why? Well, that's when new IFRS standards are coming into implementation. Those of you scratching your head, have you been hiding under a rock? Well, IFRS is the International Financial Reporting Standards. We're going to be referring to IFRS frequently in the next hour. The standards are changing in ways that will significantly change how telcos recognize and account for revenue. Revenue, you know, the stuff they earn that keeps the company going. Well, I'm just going to do a little riff here. If those of you who are uh, in the U.S. and probably around the world remember comedian Lily Tomlin, who I understand is still alive and well, she used to satirize the phone company and back in the day, then dominant the Bell Telephone System. She had a skit where she played a telephone operator named Ernestine with an old-fashioned headset, and Ernestine was famous for the following line, We don't care. We don't have to. We're the phone company. I know my accent is terrible. Just a little side note about telcos and telecoms. But let's get back to IFRS. More than just an accounting exercise, the new IFRS rules will impact the profit and loss of telcos, their systems, their key performance indicators, all the things that matter to the business. Some telcos are concerned about the treatment of their acquisition costs, and you know what that means. So we have a couple of questions on the table. Why the RevRec revenue recognition change now? How can telcos go beyond simply complying with the new rules to taking advantage of the changes? And really the bottom line is, should telcos go out and look for new ways to do business if they want to survive. Now, if you're scratching your heads, just sit there for a second. I'm going to introduce my first panelist, and she will get us started on what this is really all about. So I will just say the experts speak. First up is Terry Haney. She is a strategic business management consultant with SAP. And Terry sent me a very interesting quote from Bill Clinton, 42nd U.S. president. Here's the quote. The price of doing the same old thing is far higher than the price of change. Sounds like a life mantra. Terry Haney, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? 
Fine. You remember Ernestine, I think? Remember? I absolutely do. I absolutely <laughs> do. I apologize for my awful accent. I wasn't really doing Lily Tomlin or Ernestine, just trying to be funny. Anyway, Terry talked to us. Interesting. Telcos, IFRS, and Bill Clinton's quote. I'm going to let you dive in with the quote, and then you'll tell us a little more about the topic. Go ahead. Sure. Um, one of the reasons why I really like this quote um, from former President Clinton is the fact that too often we don't make changes because we're very comfortable with where we're at. And change often gets people very emotionally charged up because we do get attached to objects, we get attached to applications and to systems, and how we do everything every day, whether it's at home or at work. So, you know, what you always hear is we're creatures of habits. And typically people are always looking at what is the cost of doing change. So even when we look at IFRS 15, they're like, what's it going to cost you to change? But there's two sides to this coin, and the, those two sides are, what if I do nothing? What is the cost if I actually stay put and do nothing and stay where I am today? And sometimes that cost of doing nothing is far more expensive than doing something. So this is why I love that quote. I think it's a great statement on his part. It, it certainly is. And uh, I'm, I'm looking up a couple of quotes from some recent Game Changer shows we've done that are very similar to that. So it, it's an interesting thought process. Terry, just before I introduce our second panelist, telcos, telecoms, are we talking about the same thing? What is the definition, the operative definition we're using for our show today? Okay, telcos and telecoms really mean the same thing. Um, years ago, people got tired of saying the word telecommunications. And so people then started to abbreviate that as a telecom um, when they would write something or they would talk about it to a colleague. Later on, people began to refer to it as telcos as in a telephone company. So and sometimes you see it spelled T-E-L-C-O. Sometimes you see it spelled with a capital T-E-L, capital C-O mm-hmm. for tele- telecom company. But they really mean the same thing. It's really about who are those phone providers, and more importantly, these are providers now that today, it's not just about your home landline or your cell phone, it's about internet services. We see more and more partner with um, cable companies, so they really are becoming more of the one-stop shop where a consumer goes and says, hey, I'm moving into a new house, can you set me up with everything? Okay, so they're our go-to providers, basically, and we rely on them for a lot lot of good stuff, right? When, when, right. when it's good. Okay. Absolutely. I just want to, I want to introduce a quote, Terry. I think you'll appreciate this from Teddy Roosevelt, a Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president of the U.S., interestingly enough. This was used by a guest on a show I did an hour ago for Game Changers Radio. The quote is, in any moment of decision, the best thing you can do is the right thing. The next best thing is the wrong thing. And the worst thing you can do is nothing. So if we take a permutation of that and move it over to Bill Clinton's quote about change, I think we're basically saying the same thing, a little bit differently, but the thought was certainly there. What do you think? I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, too often people don't realize no decision by default is a decision. So Mm -hmm. even if you choose to do nothing, you've still made a decision. You're just not maybe necessarily taking any action. That's why even with IFRS 15 and Telco saying, you know, I want to kind of sit back and wait, it's almost like a Y2K event. The date is going to come whether you're ready or not. You can't stop the date from coming. Thank you very much. And by the way, there is another quote from Yoda, and the quote is, <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> and, then, and if you go to YouTube, you can find the, uh, yes, Yoda's character. You can find the um, 
On YouTube, you can find a video from the movie with Yoda saying, do or do not. There is no try. Oh, Bonnie, stop trying to do accents. They're just terrible. Terry, thank you for a good introduction to our topic and indulging me. I'd like to bring on our second panelist. He is Andreas Miter, a principal business consultant at SAP. And Andreas has brought me a wonderful quote from Steve Jobs. Here's the quote. Simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple. But it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. I love that. Andreas Miter, welcome. How are you today? Uh, I'm wonderful. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining us. We had a good intro with Terry. Why don't you give us your take on the Steve Jobs quote and then talk to us a little bit about telcos and IFRS. Go ahead, Andreas. Yeah, um, yeah, Steve's quote basically goes a little bit into the same direction as Terry's quote, and I think that's uh, uh, notorious for things that did not happen with uh, telcos in the past. Um, that's basically changed. So this quote is about um, simplifying it, basically looking at a, at a huge problem, that huge complexity, and said, okay, how can we simplify this? Um, and then by simplification, start moving and, and, and changing company, changing operations, and changing products. Um, I think that's, in, especially for telcos, also for other industries, valuable because especially telcos are struggling with, um, I would say, it, the sins from the past. So they started building stovepipe architectures, um, they, resulting from past growth. They still have un, unfinished merger and acquisition activities. Um, so there's a lot of change that's required, a lot of complexity. And however, they're fearing to do something. So that's a little bit ties in with what Terry says. Um, about doing nothing is a, is a big problem. Here, what, what Steve Jobs says, well, you need to look at it, go down to the roots, find a mm -hmm. simple solution and change. And then you can move a mountain, you can change your company, you can change your entire business operation. You can be disruptive, and that's what's what required for telecom. Disruptive is a, a very important word here, I believe, Andreas. And, and my question to you and then back to Terry is who is causing disruption? Do telcos realize that they need to disrupt what they're doing to stay in business, period? Or is this coming from the outside in from something like the IFRS rule change? Where do you think it's coming from? It's coming from the outside. Telcos are typically very resilient in, in terms of creating um, disruption. So um, it really comes from the outside world. It's it can be a legal change. Um, it can also be uh, other uh, third parties. For example, we have the uh, so-called KPN effect in the telco industry. When um, telcos figured out that they're moving the, or the revenue is moving away from, from SMS into WhatsApp. So that is, that is disruption. And uh, this is unfortunately not coming out of the telco industry. So are they resisting the change? Or are the, the executives looking down and saying, damn, <laughs> we, we have to change. We have to do something new. We have to simplify. We have to clean up our act. We have to look at new accounting rules. It, it, what's the reaction on the telco side of this equation, Andreas? What, what's your observation? Are they welcoming this or are they dreading it? Are they fighting it? What are they, what's their stance? Uh, I think it's uh, common, common sense and <laughs> common view that you can't fight it. Um, it's, okay. it's happening, and the, the customers are moving into these kind of directions. They go into these so-called over-the-top products. Um, what potentially, or not potentially, what results in a, in a degradation of the telco into a pure network infrastructure provider? What's a very unfortunate situation, as you're not really managing your customers and your products anymore. Um, 
So they, they know they need to, to move, they need to change. However, they have difficulties finding their sweet spot in, in, in this new, ever-changing market. So uh, one strategy is certainly looking up for partners and partnering up um, to get more content onto the platform. And the other mm-hmm. is, I think, the more aggressive approach of merging with others in, in the industry to, to basically add more content to their platform. Thank you. Good overview as well. Thanks for indulging my questions. Terry Haney, I'm going to circle back to you, and I have a very important question for you because the series you're on today, Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers Radio, is part of our bigger umbrella series called Coffee Break with Game Changers. So we want to know a little bit more about Terry Haney. What are you drinking right now during the show while you're on air live with me, Terry? Or what's your favorite beverage? And tell me a story about where, when, why, and how. Terry? Okay, um, what I'm drinking right now is actually a latte from Starbucks. Um, my favorite drink is absolutely coffee. I, I love it. I started the habit of drinking it at age four. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you, what <laughs> age did you say? I'm sorry for the woo-woo, but what? Four? At four, four years old. At four years old, I started drinking it. My parents thought I was this sweet, helpful child because I'd always help clear the breakfast and dinner table. Only they found out what I was doing is because whatever residual coffee was in their cup, I would drink it. And I decided I really liked it. Um, and they, it didn't get me in trouble. Um, they kind of decided, well, if you're going to do it, you know, that's fine. If you fast forward then to by the time I got through college and I started my first job, I was drinking 40-plus cups of coffee a day. Wait, hold hold um, on. We took the four and we added a zero and made it 40? A zero, yes. Yes. I, I um, am I'm, rarely, rarely dumbstruck on a radio show, but you have just stopped me in my tracks. Okay, keep going, Terry. This is getting okay. really interesting. <laughs> okay, so I was up to you know, 40 plus cups of coffee a day. So when I started my first job, obviously colleagues noticed it. They noticed that I was really big into drinking my coffee. So after a few months on the job, my boss and uh, my colleagues came to me and said, we want to make a bet with you. And I said, okay. I said, we want to bet that you cannot stop drinking coffee for two weeks. And so we talked about it, and I said, okay, you know what, I'll take that bet. So that day I stopped drinking coffee, and uh, I had, like, the worst caffeine withdrawal headache you could possibly imagine for the next three or four days. But I went into work every day because I didn't want them to think I was at home, you know, cheating and drinking coffee. Or, you know, having a soda or finding some way to get my caffeine fix. And so I thought, no, I, you know, I'm going to take this bet all the way through the two weeks. Well, about a week and a half into it, my boss comes to me and says, hey, I'd like to meet with you and uh, your colleagues in the conference room. I said, okay. Go in there. And he said, Terry, you win the bet. Hands down, you just win the bet. We're stopping it now. I said, but two weeks isn't up yet. He said, I know. He said, we made this bet because we thought that because you drank so much coffee, you talked really fast, and you wrote on the whiteboard really fast, that we thought it was the coffee doing it. He said, since you've come off this coffee, you talk even faster, you write even faster. We cannot keep up with you, so we are begging you, please start drinking your coffee again. Terry, if if I could give out an award for the best coffee story in almost 500 radio shows for Game Changers, I think you just won the prize. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> what else can I say? So here's the big question. 
How many cups of coffee have you already had today? Where are you right now? I know it's 1216 here in New York where I'm based. Where are you? What time of day is it? And how many cups have you had? And what's your daily intake of coffee now? Um, I am in Dallas, Texas, so it's 11.16 a.m. right mm-hmm. now. I am on cup number nine, um, and I average now around 20 a day. So I've cut back. I've actually done good. I'm not 40, but I'm to 20. I'm sure a lot of people would say that's still not good, but, you know, I think the result is I don't talk quite as fast, and, of course, there's no whiteboard for me to write on to write fast, but uh, it, you, it helps you, me. It definitely You helps sound me. great, by the way. Do you have a favorite uh, brand, a favorite something? You brew it at home? Is it always caffeine? Do you ever do a half-calf or a decaf? Perish the thought? Uh, no, it's always caffeinated. Always, always let it. Um, I love Chevalier coffee, so I, I always get Chevalier coffee, or I go to Starbucks. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. That, that had to be one of our best stories. I never expected that. Thank you for sharing. What else can I say? Andreas Miter, I wouldn't even dare ask you to top that story. So, Andreas, what are you drinking right now? If it's interesting, and if not, tell me your favorite beverage story, please. Um, I'm having a cup of coffee as well, and I can agree to Terry. It's, um, yeah, it's a good energizer <laughs> and somehow required in, in, in this kind of job and this kind of industry you're working in. However, the story I would like to share is not about coffee. It's uh, especially the, the opposite, as mentioned. It's a hyper-connected world, and sometimes I need to escape. And uh, just spent uh, some time with my family in the Australian outback um, uh, over Christmas, and we had an interesting drink story over there. So we were sitting there, my wife and me, in the total darkness of the Australian outback. No moon, just stars, and basically it was so dark you couldn't really see the hand in front of your face. Um, but there was a noise next to us. Okay, what's that? And just turned on the line, and there was a kangaroo sitting next to us drinking our dishwater. And, um, yeah, this buddy popped up frequent times uh, the next evenings and was joining us for a drink while my wife and me, we had some beer sitting there. <laughs> this kangaroo showed up, was drinking the dishwater, um, and just next to us. That was a really nice, uh, nice occasion. That's a nice story. Wow. I <laughs> That's got to be one of the best stories, too. I, I think, you know, we were giving out awards. I'd say I have to share the trophy with the both of you. We've had some amazing stories on these shows, but these are fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Andreas. I didn't think you could top Terry's, but you're, you're right up there. Thank you both very much. Uh, we have to get back to our topic, but we're sure having fun talking about little personality stories about our two very interesting panelists. I'm speaking today with Terry Haney and Andreas Miter. Very serious topic. We're talking about telcos, telecoms, whatever you like to call them, however they roll. They have to be ready for 2017 with the new IFRS, International Financial Reporting Standards, are changing significantly, impacting everything, including RevRec, revenue recognition, and how they book their acquisitions. In this age of telcos needing to find new ways to do business, this could be really, really, really crucial, and they need to be aware. Why are you listening to this? Because everybody uses a phone or telco services, and this might change. I don't know the service provider you pick, how they do business with you, how the rates change. We're going to find out a lot more when we come back. Our topic today, telco tackling IFRS compliance, finding new ways to do business. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You are listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers Radio. And a shout out to whoever is using the handle SAP underscore telco and to Angela Schweck at SAP who helped put together this wonderful panel. We'll be right back with a lot more. We're going to start the roundtable with Terry Haney when we come back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. 
to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry challenges and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help you succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers. Welcome back. Talking about Industry Cloud Trends, our topic today is telco slash telecoms. The IFRS rules change. Their compliance is going to be required starting in less than two years. What is going on? Terry Haney, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show, and let me just read a statement here, and I'll have you run with it. You say, in June 2010, which is five years ago this month, the International Accounting Standardization Board, known as the IASB, took a major step toward developing an entirely new revenue recognition standard that will significantly affect the RevRec recognized, boy, that's a lot of recognized, in the telecoms industry. Why did they do it? Why is it taking so long to put into effect? I know implementation's coming in 2017. And how does this really impact the day-to-day or the long-term planning of telcos? Terry, please start. Sure. I, one of the reasons they put it into play is, I think, first of all, the IASB recognizes more and more telecom carriers are global. So you need a way to start reporting consistently when you start looking at financial data. You need a more consistent way in which you're going to recognize revenue. And one of the things that, you know, keep in mind is this new set of revenue recognition rules doesn't just apply to carriers. It applies to other industries as well, such as high-tech But it has a big impact on carriers because carriers have a history of bundling products. So sign it to your contract, get this phone free. The challenge there is the proverbial find the free phone. If you look at an invoice, it's very difficult sometimes to figure out what was the real cost of that phone. And the reality is we know that phone is costing you as the consumer. We know that phone somehow got paid for by by the telco who purchased it and provided it in in their store or shipped it to you. So under these new rules that they have come up with, you have to clearly identify what is the cost of the goods. So in this case, let's say a handset versus the cost of the services. Mm -hmm. So what this is going to mean to the carriers is the way that they have been posting this information is going to look different doesn't mean that the end game or the end number at the end of the year is going to be different, you know, or off. So if you were going to get 600 euros a year, you're still going to get 600 euros. It's just that you've posted it differently each and every month because now you have to really separate out the goods versus the services. This is why telcos have pushed back so heavily on this because they have always blended that together. 
And it has taken a long time. Telcos have been resistant to this. When they Mm -hmm. first came out in June 2010, it was kind of, you know, it'll go away. But by the time the ISB started putting out more drafts of this, we started seeing a lot of activities by telcos in 2012, 2013, raising objections to it because of the work it's going to take for them to, to move on to the new standard. Interesting. Andreas Meider, join us. Thoughts? Uh, agree? Any other shades of meaning you want to add to what Terry just shared with us? Uh, yeah, I think one important aspect in this, uh, in this topic um, is the introduction of the concept of an operational contract in the context of IFRS 15. So as mentioned um, when referring to the Steve Jobs quote, telcos have stovepipe architectures. It's a landline, it's internet, it's TV. So every billing system, each sometimes in, every, in a region of a country, we, we are um, experiencing stovepipe architectures. Now the ISAB introduced the operational, um, the operational contract. That's something where an, a finance regulator forces telcos to think outside of their current billing systems and introduces a new business object that, um, that combines the different contracts that are, that are sitting in the different billing systems into one operational financial, financial contract. And um, that's something new, and that's, I think, a huge challenge for telcos because now they need to look at all the mess they have and say, oh, how do we bring this together and make this look like an operational contract? And that is a huge challenge, uh, especially from data sourcing. It's not really an accounting challenge. It's really an IT data sourcing challenge we are have, we have, having here. Interesting. I'm going to ask a question to both of you before we jump into some topics that Andreas provided to me. Whose job is this in the telcos? Is this strictly CFO Office of Finance? Are they hiring data scientists to figure this out? Are there classes the IFRS, the IASB are providing to help the telcos figure out how to move into compliance? And, and who is guiding them to do it creatively, as I mentioned, uh, with an eye toward generating more business? Terry, first, thoughts? Uh, how, how is this all going to happen? Who's staying awake at night worrying about this? That's my core question. Right. The person who's, who this is keeping awake at night is the CFO, because okay. ultimately he's the one that has to report out and sign off on the revenue that their company is reporting. Um, there are IFRS training courses that are out there. People are becoming IFRS certified. But he also has to work very closely with the CIO as well, because you're starting to really look at kind of a transformation. As Andreas mentioned, you know, when you have multiple billing systems out there, you got to figure out who your customer is. But this is pushing this holistic view of who the customer is, what did they purchase from you, how are they using it, and when does the revenue come in, and when can I recognize it? Thank you. Andreas, thoughts on this? CFO, is he, a, he or she awake at night all alone, or the whole department all across the Office of Finance right. saying, OMG, where's that kangaroo to, to sing me to sleep? Talk to me. <laughs> Um, yes, it's the CFO. However, it also has a huge impact on the IT architecture. So, as mentioned, it's an accounting challenge. However, to feed these new accounting principles, it's required to bring the data in order. And so it really starts from the very beginning that, okay, how do we account for and which are the triggers that, the external triggers that, uh, that lead to revenue recognition? And that's really, now I would say joint forces are required. It's a CIO, CTO question combined with a CFO question. So we're losing the typical um, hierarchical model of responsibilities. Now this is a joint responsibility challenge for the telco industry. And not only for the telco, as Terry mentioned, it's stretching over from telco into high-tech, into automotive, even into Mm -hmm. real estate. So it's 
it, it's a huge problem. However, we can say from impact perspective, telcos and high techs are have the, the main impact in the current operations um, resulting from IFRS 15. Thank you very much. Let's flip from the challenge disruption, staying awake at night, into opening the door to opportunity. I want to get some some daylight on this topic. So, Andreas, I'm looking at your notes, and you say you acknowledge that preparing for IFRS accounting changes can be expensive and cumbersome for telcos, which is our key topic today. You say it also should be considered a door to opportunity to be transformative. And the example you gave me is harnessing customer data Ah, what a thought. To understand precise customer preferences. Ah, there's another thought. To deliver what the customer needs. Wow, those are three big thoughts bundled in there. Is this something they haven't been doing particularly well historically in the telco industry, Andreas? And and will this eye-opening IFRS change introduce them to these wonderful concepts? I'm being a little facetious, but go ahead. Join me. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I can only say hopefully, hopefully okay. we'll, we'll go into that direction. Um, the point is, as mentioned, the ICB introduced the operational contract. That means the first time we have a financial system, and that's a fairly odd, joining different customer records that are screwed up and messed up by mergers and acquisitions, um, contract information that are sitting in different systems using different number ranges. So the financial system is now merging this. And uh, this is a huge opportunity to, to leverage all this information and to, to use it for new business models. So we have now customers, we have contracts, we can, and that's required for IFRS 15, so we can put usage and lay over the, the individual customer usage to it and start profiling customers on a segment of one. So we are able to identify what is the customer using and we're able to react on real time um, with predictions on his future usage. So we can say, okay, now this customer is using, for example, mobile data very extensively and he's reaching his data limit. So in real time with this analysis of the customer behavior currently and what he's obviously planning to do in future, we can push in real time for that particular segment of one um, um, an advertisement that, okay, if you want to um, extend your data usage, we have a very specific tailor-made offer for you. And this is something where you can um, increase the, the customer loyalty and also increase the revenue. And this is something where um, our customers and, and, and the entire industry needs to look into. It's real-time business, it's segment of one, and it's a use uh, of the data that is available um, in the different systems. And you look at the data in a harmonized um, and um, holistic way. Thank you. Good insights. I, I just want to bring in something from, I, I like to watch a lot of detective uh, crime solution shows on TV, and it never fails that the police, the the NCIS team, the CSI team, the major crimes, I watched that last night, the team always looks for two things, Andreas and Terry. What do they look for when they want to know about you? They look for your cell phone, and they look for your computer or any any mobile devices. They look to see who you contacted, how long you talked, where you texted. They look to see if there are any strange uh, viewing devices or, or uh, viruses, any intrusive uh, video cams that have latched on through a virus so where somebody's stalking you or watching you. They look to see your last set of emails. They look to see your phone calls. So, Andreas, back to your point. They already have so much data on us. If the police can find it, certainly the telecoms can, can leverage this to know more about us. You want to comment on that, Andreas or Terry, whoever wants to? Uh, yeah, I can comment on this. Um, I think that's a, that's a point of, or that's a view that is still valid. But um, as we are all moving into an all IP world with um, um, 
all IP communication, mm-hmm. there will be in future no phone call. It will be voice over IP. So, in fact, the telcos are losing the insight of really what's happening on the network because a message ah. is not different from any Twitter or web surfing or uh, a, a voice call. And so they are losing uh, insight of what the customers are doing. So they really actively need to push content to the platform and start monitoring and actively working with the customers. They need to in, in basically increase um, the customer retention. What we call in other industries, especially automotive, is, is very good at this area, as the so-called vendor lock-in. They need to provide a service that is so valuable for the customer that the customer identifies, mm-hmm. yes, I'm using that service and that is exactly what I need and I'm sticking to that platform approach. Sticky. Sticky and sticking. Thank you very much. Terry, want to get your insights on this? I know we veered a little bit off of IFRS, but I'm looking at the opportunity right now, the business opportunity, the disruption as a good thing for telcos. What are your thoughts? Um, My thoughts are, I mean, this is a a great opportunity for telcos to really pull together that holistic view of who their customers are, to really get to know who they are. In fact, a lot of times discussions will lead to conversations with the chief marketing officer, because they need to figure out really how to make the customer stick, make the customer not just be loyal to the telco, but become an advocate to where they say to you, well, why would you go anywhere else? These guys are great. And so they really need to get that loyalty, especially as we start seeing, too, that you know, mobile devices you know, are being used for far more than we ever anticipated. I mean, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago, if someone said, you know, you're, you're going to be able to do shopping and do price checks from a phone, people would go, no, that, that doesn't happen. So I, I think this is a good opportunity for telcos to, to start looking mm-hmm. at the holistic view, transform, reduce the size of their architectures, but really streamline and become more efficient. And, and what's the impact on the customer? We're talking about the good news that the telco would be able to customize services, offer them something, as Andrea said, something that will make us want to be loyal to one telco provider. We will say, wow, we're getting everything we need and more, or we're getting close to everything we need, and so far the path looks pretty positive. So do, do the telcos understand this is a great way not just of finding new avenues, but connecting and making their current customers even more loyal and bringing them along into the future. Terry, thoughts? I think they do understand it, but change is very painful because they do Mm -hmm. have these massive architectures out there. Um, Because they do realize, you know, if a consumer calls in and and they can talk, let's say, to one person in that call center and not get handed off multiple times where the poor person's sitting there on hold and having to repeat their story, you know, those are the things that frustrate consumers. And so they know if they can get to the crux of the problem, anticipate, you know, questions, problems for the customer, you start really building up that advocate that, that's going to come back to you time and time again. So I think they understand it. But, you know, I, from my own experience with a lot of M&A activities, a lot of telcos have 450-plus systems sitting out there. And a lot of times these are overlapping systems. That becomes a painful change to figure out how do you start paring that down and transforming. Transforming, disruption, all good words. Terry, I'm looking at your notes because we just tackled something from Andreas. I'm going to go back and forth here. You say it is is expected among experts that the implementation of the new IFRS standards will result in significant investments and challenges for telcos. Let's talk about the investments. Are you talking money outlays? Are you talking about what you just mentioned, all of the systems, the legacy systems? Who has to re-architect, redesign to get everything to work in the new world of telcos? Uh, What 
kind of outlay are they talking about? We're talking about money. We're talking about time. We're talking about bringing new types of skill sets into their workforce. What's what does the formula look like for success, Terry? Um, well, the biggest thing that that telcos see right away is what is the investment in terms of money. And mm-hmm. a lot of the people vary on the numbers. But, you know, we see numbers anywhere from 10 million euros to 100 million euros. Sometimes people will tell you, oh, it's way more than that. And a lot of people, you know, start kind of comparing it to Sarbanes-Oxley when numbers that were put out there were um, underestimated by a lot um, here in the U.S. So that's one of the first things that scares people when they think of all that money um, that has to take place. Um, a lot of estimates also say that, you know, probably 40 to 50 percent of this initiative to move to IFRS 15, it's probably about 40 to 50 percent just in your IT system. Mm. So you are talking significant change. The smaller piece is actually more in the accounting piece because these rules have been very well defined. So, you know, maybe 20 percent of that is in the accounting space. But the bulk of it is you're going to find is in the IT systems and in the business processes that are going to have to change. Um, and then, of course, in the new accounting rules. So, you know, 10 million, 100 million, those, those are not trivial numbers. So it's a very expensive proposition. And this is why we always, you know, want to expand the conversation to say, but you can leverage that investment. If you can get a better, a better picture of who your customer is, if you can target better to them in terms of campaigns, then it's not like, great, I just spent, you know, let's say $50 million in net compliance and that's it. You, there are greater benefits out there for it. Terry, how long can companies afford to wait? And, and Andreas, I'll ask you the same thing. How long can a, can a telco afford to wait to start making this investment, making these changes, bringing the right people on board, realizing and acknowledging that things are changing, whether you like it or not, and, and maybe having a positive outlook on the whole thing, IFRS 15. Uh, Andreas, let me turn this over to you. How long can they afford to wait? Should they already be deep into the process since the announcement was made in 2010? We're now in 2015. Implementation will be 2017. Is there a waiting period, or should everybody be knee-deep in getting going on this change? Andreas? Um, my personal opinion, they should be knee-deep in, in getting this done and, and, and uh, getting ready for the IFRS 15 change. Um, even though the, the ISAB just recently announced that there will be a delay of the standard, um, that means it's moving by a year, there's still no time to wait. Um, as mentioned, as Terry mentioned, there's a huge investment on the, on the IT side to get the IT systems ready to deliver the information um, to, uh, to support the new accounting principles and the accounting process. So that's a huge investment, and it requires a lot of work um, because some things have not changed. And then one, um, one point is that the ISV requests to transition all historic data. That means even though the standard is, has now basically gained a year of implementing the standard, we still need to look into, into the history and, and look at historic contracts from day one as soon as they fall into the, uh, into the uh, IFRS 15 accounting period. Another point is um, that uh, it's not just a simple change from local gap to uh, IFRS 15. There's also the point that telcos need to provide a comparative period of one or two years where they need to report in local gap as well as IFRS 15 um, to introduce the changes to, um, to the investors, to the financial market. And uh, this means they need to be ready before the, uh, the proposed uh, go-live date by the ICB, I would say at least one year earlier, um, to be able to communicate these new changes um, to the financial market. 
And that's a huge problem as well. Um, as the one-year delay is a little bit of a relief. However, um, there's no really no time left to wait and to look what others are doing or if there will be another change. There won't be a change, and telcos need to react fast and need to work on this right now. Terry, thoughts on the timing? Any laggards? You have a message for them? I would say you need to be knee-deep now and go ahead and start looking at it because the heavy lifting is trying to even just identify all your data sources that contain revenue data. And uh, a lot of people are underestimating the amount of work that that takes. It's also a conversation with their auditors. You know, this is also a topic that, you know, you want your auditing company in there working alongside you so that as you're interpreting these rules, you're all on the same page. Um, so if they haven't started now, um, they are way behind the power curve. And as Andreas mentioned, they just recently mentioned a change in the date, but that doesn't really give you much of a reprieve when you're talking, you know, you know, 50 to 100, 200 systems that you're having to take a look at. So if anybody's still sleeping well, they need to stop sleeping well. Terry, let's talk about this a little bit on the um, on the recruitment side, on the staffing side, on who is actually in the Office of Finance at Telcos today. Is it time or is it too late to bring in what we call data scientists, to bring in excited young millennials who who just want to dig in and say, wow, I can make a real difference here in saving or helping to pro- helping to promote the wealth and well-being of this telco? Uh, who's going to who's be the workforce that's going to get this done for IFRS compliance? Terry, first. Um, it's going to be a combination. I think a lot of your people from finance department as well as from your IT department, um, do you, you do want people who are, you know, young and energetic, but you also want people who understand the history of some of the decisions behind what's been done. Um, it's not that you want to, you know, stay on that history, but you do need to understand when you're looking at these big architectures and the transformations, how decisions were made, what needs to be migrated, um, so that you do have, you know, blend of both the younger ones as well as the ones who are more mature who can kind of help you and guide you through this entire process. So it, it'll be a, a blended type of, of, of project approach. Thank you. Andreas Miter, thoughts on the the workforce is going to get this done. Agree with Terry? Anything you want to add? Disagree? Um, I agree with Terry. And I personally think it's a very interesting setup because it, um, it brings, um, I would say, the the traditional financial uh, financial stuff that works in, mm-hmm. uh, in a telco operator already for many years. It's basically closer to retire than retirement and to the start of the career, um, and combines uh, this team with uh, with new data scientists that are deep into um, the new technology, data mining, um, in memory analytics, and all that stuff to get the data um, to prepare it for the financial guys. So it's really a, a combination of of I would say the old fashioned finance processes as uh, with the new uh, big data requirements and the, uh, the the big data architecture and product. So it's really a combination of both, and that makes these pro- uh, projects um, for a real financial project fairly interesting and uh, really also creates a lot of fun working with those because there's huge data challenges. However, the technology that's applied there is also fairly new, and this is, uh, this is very interesting and to see this proceeding and how these two different entities um, are, are working together in a project. 
Interesting. You brought the word fun into it. We don't usually hear that in the context of financials and standards and uh, disruption and changes, which could have an impact on who wants to be in that workforce as the telcos move forward. Andreas, I'm looking at your notes. We have, let's see now, we have about 12 minutes left to the end of the show. Plenty of time before we get to the crystal ball predictions round, around 50 after. So I'd like to use the next six minutes to cover anything else that you and Terry wanted to talk about. But I'm looking here in your notes, Andreas, and I see something called stovepipes, stovepipe architecture. Can you tell us what that is? I I don't want to neglect it because you put some time into these notes. So what is stovepipe? Um, That's basically a result of um, the fast growth and uh, the... Yeah, but let's say it's a result of the fast growth that telcos um, experienced in the past. So they started typically as a as a landline operator. Um, then, uh, yeah, the internet activities came to its okay. Internet, we need to react on this landline billing doesn't does not sweet internet growth. So let's build a new spin-off. Let's set up new billing systems so we can cover internet. Then we'll have um, mobile and um, also the 3G network now LTE network. All kinds of different services that are resulting from this, and rather than trying to accommodate the current, let's say, old-fashioned solution to, to, cover the, uh, to cover the new requirements, the new billing systems, entirely new architecture have been set up. Um, that's, that's an absolutely fair and reasonable approach. This, is the, this market changed fast. It was disruptive. So um, the fast growth required telcos um, to set up these those pipes to react on the market. Um, but now this growth is I would say commodity business, or the, 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 the business model is totally commodity. So what telcos need to do is start merging these stovepipes and, and figuring out where is, where is convergence in their business processes to reduce the complexity. There was a good reason for this complexity, and it made sense, um, but the time has already passed. It's long over, and now they need to look into these different stovepipes and said, okay, what is, what is the common pattern? Where is convergence? How can bring this back to one to one cost customer because that's where it's all about. It's about the customer and there's not multiple customers um, for the for multiple services. One customer that's con- consuming multiple services and all the, the telco product modeling that marketing is, is doing with the bundles of two, three, and four products, that's already building bridges across the stovepipes. However, the, the tech- technology behind us and the business processes in looking at finance are still maintaining these stovepipes. And now we'll need to really, with IFRS 15, we'll need to break those stovepipes up from finance as well. So we have no marketing breaking up the stovepipes and building bridges, and we have finance breaking up the stovepipes and building bridges. And I think these, this forced convergence, one, one is market-driven, yeah, the other one is uh, regulation-driven, will change telcos. And that's, that's a very important aspect of that, uh, of that legal change. Thank you. Terry Haney, thoughts on stovepipes? Stovepipes. Um, Yes, Andreas has done a great job on describing how with every change, every new service that came into play, every new product that came into play, uh, telcos did start building their own solutions every time, and in part because there weren't vendors out there who could supply them with what they needed. Organizations oftentimes didn't have insight into other organizations, and so it was real easy to start growing those those clients. So this is really forcing companies to say, how are you truly connected, which is kind of ironic when you think, you know, you're talking to a telco, how are you connected? Because you're connecting people to the world. But it does come down to how are your systems connected? 
And are those systems still actually relevant today? Because technology is moving at a faster pace than we've ever seen before. They don't have a year, two, three to figure it out. They have to move far more quickly than that. They, they may have only a few days or a few weeks to even respond to a shift in the market. So those odds definitely need to come down. Terry, who are the encroachments on telcos? And I'll ask this to Andreas as well. Who is coming into their industry and stealing away the business? Who are the, the entrepreneurial spirits who are doing it outside the realm of traditional telcos? And, and the reference point would be with banks. You, know, you can go almost anywhere now and do some kind of financial or investment business, not in your typical strategic typical historical bank building or bank brick and mortar because lots of new entrants are coming into that industry and stealing away the customers and taking some of the, the fire away. So who, who is trying to come in and make inroads? Do we see any real brave, bold, disruptive newcomers? We see a lot of newcomers in a lot of different areas. I mean, you start seeing companies like even Microsoft or Google getting more into the space of where telcos have traditionally been. Um, and we also see telcos are starting to partner with what, you know, we would have considered non-traditional companies in the past. So you mentioned like banking, you know, the ability to do mobile banking. You know, 10, 15 years ago, the bank was their customer from the standpoint that they implemented landlines into that office building. But they do need to partner with banks, with retailers, with insurance companies, with medical providers. Um, to be able to bring new products and services to mobile devices because you know, a mobile phone is something that, you know, how many times have we left the house and said, uh-oh, I forgot my phone. i got to go back and get it. Um, we do so many transactions from our phone. Mm-hmm. It is a huge, it, it is a game changer. It's, it's, we're not using our phones the same way we did 10, 15 years ago. They even have a commercial, Terry. I don't know if you and Andreas have seen a TV commercial where a family is about to board a plane, and the wife says to the husband, Honey, did you pay the dog sitter? We want Fido to have a good week while we're cavorting in the Caribbean. That's the subtext I just added to the ad. And he says... Oh, no problem. And he pulls out his smartphone and says, doo, 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 doo. she's been paid. <laughs> then they look at the kids and, the, and he says, glad I'm doing it now in the airport because where we're going to these remote, fabulous islands, there is no Wi-Fi and no connectivity. And the teenage daughter looks at the parents and says, what? No connectivity. And the mom says, yes, you and your brother might have to learn to talk to each other. I rest my case. So, I don't know if you've seen it. It's beyond hokey, but I think they're trying to make a point. Andreas, your take, your point of view, before we go into the roundtable for uh, predictions in just about a minute and a half. Andreas, your take on newcomers, interrupters in the telco industry. What do you see? Uh, yes, there are interrupters, and, and I mentioned it earlier. It's the typical, we call it over-the-top services. So that's basically mm-hmm. service that are used the telco network, but providing um, services on top of that. And for the telco, that's the big risk that are, they are degraded to a pure network operator, um, not owning the customer anymore. A good example, and, and Terry mentioned already, is Google. Google launched um, a mobile network. Um, that sounds, first of all, okay, that's what we call in the telco industry. It's the, uh, another um, virtual network operator. However, Google is a global, uh, global operation. So now with their Google mobile network, what is basically using, reusing existing network infrastructure, um, they totally eliminate all the hassle we have with roaming. So while well, Google is a global operator, they can make contracts with 
U.S. carriers, with Canadian carriers, with European carriers. And so you have your Google network, and your Google network is working everywhere. So you're not stuck in, in one of these big revenue drivers telcos still have. That's global roaming. That's data roaming. Um, so that is, that is already disruptive for the market and really shows, well, if you don't, as telco, don't provide these services to customer, a global mobile customer is demanding, others will do it. There's certainly a market, and there's certainly mm-hmm. revenue share. And, well, telcos typically are a bit, have, have their issues in, in teaming up and, and providing these services, um, but they certainly need to do this. Another dimension um, is also, um, what I think what's important is also to look into areas of B2B2C, that means um, the telcos regard and provide their networks as enablers for others. And that could be also a very interesting area where need, they need to look into, into competitors and potentially look into that, okay, that's a small company that, that makes sense to work with um, to, rather than re- regard this as a competitive market. It's really a market of partnerships and a joint value creation. Um, so this is something where telcos also need to look into and say, okay, what can we do with our network? And I think one large market is um, mobility, automotive, so the, the so-called connected car. Um, we have also um, huge requirements in the utilities market about communi- communications as um, more and more generation devices are decentral. So there's lots of areas where telco can play. Um, however, there are other players, so they need... I personally think they need to partner, they need to team up to build a really competitive and interesting portfolio. Thank you very much. And you have brought us just to the tipping point here. We have four minutes left to the end of the show. Perfectly done, Andreas and Terry. I'm going to circle back to Terry Haney. And, Terry, I'm going to give you 90 seconds to look into the future. I know we've been talking about the future because IFRS is not quite here, but we're preparing for the future, and hopefully the telcos are. What do you see that would be a different conversation on this topic if we met again in the year 2020 or next week or next month, next year? How far into the future can you see a change? in this topic. Uh, so I'm just going to simply say, Terry Haney, 90 seconds, predictions, go. Okay, I think by 2020, we're going to see a completely different set of products, um, which is going to be a different new way of looking at revenue and services. I think we're going to see a redefinition of what's mobile. So you see things like the Google Glasses, you see the watches out there, but I think we're going to see things that are wearables, like it's clothing. I think in wallets, purses, they are going to redefine how you get connected to the world. Even the key fob, the key fob that you walk out to your car, you don't need to have your cell phone with you anymore. It's going to be connected to the car already. And I think even in the home, we're going to see, talk to your television. Tell the TV now that you want to call somebody. Um, So I think those devices are all going to change. And I think we've got manufacturers out there today who are probably already looking at that. So it's going to redefine mobile, and it's going to redefine, you know, how the home looks in terms of how do you get connected. Thank you. I have 60 seconds for predictions left for Andreas Meider. I know you're ready. Andreas, go. Okay. Um, yeah, within or the next years until 2020, I see also on the road to there a lot of mergers and acquisitions. That means the classical telco merging with other operators. A good example is now the discussions between T-Mobile US and DISH or Comcast. So we have a classical network operator teaming up with a, with a um, content cable TV provider to enrich the, the, the content on the platform. That's a, that's a very important aspect. Another thing um, I'm, I'm seeing here is a, really, a redefinition of, of the revenue sources and the product. 
with all the complexity we have of the um, Internet of Things and everything going IP, the customer will, will request um, simplification and also security. And this is a, a huge area where I think telcos will go into managed services for the end customer um, to provide exactly this. Providing the customer security, cloud access, content, and all that stuff. So it's really it's a holistic portfolio of, of communication cloud services. Thank you very much. Terry Haney, Andreas Meider, we did it. Shout out to Angela Schweck. I told you if we had two really great panelists, we'd have a great conversation. And Angie, they did it. So there. Um, Terry and Andreas, thank you for your insights, your savvy, your energy for engaging in a wonderful conversation and indulging all of my questions and comments. I really appreciate it. Shout out to series sponsor, Matt Small. Shout out to Angela Schweck for putting everything together. Our tweeters, Angie, Mandy, sounds like a singing group and SAP underscore telco and to Brad and the business channel team at World Talk Radio. Let's see. Today is Tuesday. We just did two live shows. So tomorrow that means it's Wednesday. I'll be back with another episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers talking about employee engagement part two. Last week we talked about the value of fun at work in engaging employees. Tomorrow we talk about follow the leader. But who is the leader? And the question for our listeners is, are you a good leader other people would want to follow? I I rest my case. Thursday, we'll be back with a new edition of oh, what we got. Meet the Visionary Game Changers. We have four series that share the Thursday time slot. I'll be speaking with the co-skipper of the SAP Extreme Sailing team. You won't want to miss this one. Sports and technology faster than the speed of wind. Okay, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for listening. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.